Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother. Welcome to the Dead Pundits Society. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode. I'm your host, as always, Adam Proctor. This is Dead Pundit Society, but we're going to be doing it a little bit differently today. I am moving. I'm packing up my apartment right now as we speak. Moving is like, as you all know, we're all downwardly mobile millennials out there, for the most part in the audience, some Gen Xers. Uh, Shout out to the Gen Xers, by the way. (laughs) Special shout out to the downwardly mobile Gen Xers. Anyway, we all move apartments or townhomes or houses like at least once a year. So I know when most of you out there in the audience hear the word moving, your stomach turns, you break out into a cold sweat, and you want to bash your head against the nearest wall. But I implore you, don't do it. It's my problem, not yours. Anyway, why am I telling you about this unnecessarily personal aspect of my, of my life? Well, that's because I naively expected to power through this week and bring you an A-side and a B-side. As always, you guys out there would be none the wiser that I was busy as hell and moving to a new city. But that was naive. And I'm super, super fucking busy. So in lieu of a classic DPS A-Side episode, I'm going to bring you the audio version of this week's YouTube video. And my YouTube videos are taking off little by little. I had a little bit of break in between the first two. The first one was the five things you need to know about democratic socialism. The second thing was an argument for why do we think socialism is possible. And this latest third installment of Democratic Socialism 101 is called The Dirty Little Secret of Capitalism i.e. exploitation. And in this video, I break down the labor theory of value, surplus value, the production process, basically capital volume one, the first 300 some odd pages. So like I said, it's a little bit different from our typical episode. This video goes about 15 minutes, so it's a little shorter than a typical episode for sure. But I thought that you guys would enjoy this. I've gotten some really positive feedback from people who have seen the video on the YouTube platform so far. For the most part, you can follow along with the audio. It's I, I, I recorded the video, um, presuming that people would be listening to it. Uh, there, there aren't any visual elements that you're going to miss out on. Um, the little tapping on the keyboard and some of the sound effects are just words being sort of thrown up on the screen. Uh, words that I've already said, for the most part. So you're not missing anything if you stick to the audio version. But if you're more interested in visuals and you want to see my mug on your computer screen or on your smartphone, go to the link in the show notes. I've posted a link to the YouTube, uh, the YouTube video itself. People should like and subscribe to the, to the Dead Pundits uh, DPS Media YouTube channel. That way you'll get notified every time I put out a new video, which is now going to be on a weekly basis once I move and get settled, if you will, in my new environment. So I know most of you have uh, really packed podcast queues in your iTunes or your Stitcher or your podcast addict app. But uh, don't skip this. I know you're tempted to head over to your episode of Chapo or the, the next episode of Alfe Bunga Bunga or the Michael Brooks show, perhaps. And those would all be great choices. Maybe Novara Media, if you're over there in the UK. Those would all be excellent choices. But take the next 15 minutes, learn about the labor theory of value. Even if you've read Marx, maybe this will kind of spark something in you. Maybe uh, it'll give you the opportunity to... Say, hey, my friend, my neighbor, my significant other, my little brother, my kid sister, 
Um, the, the obnoxious dude who sits in the back of the room at our DSA chapter meetings and, uh, you know, and looks at memes and chuckles to himself, whatever, whoever might need this video, uh, recommend it to him because I think it's a, it's a really useful educational product. That's why I did it. You know, that's, that's why I'm, that's why I'm doing all of this. It's not to get rich. All right. Enough out of me. This video is called the dirty little secret of capitalism, i.e. exploitation. If you like what you hear today, head over to patreon.com slash dead pundits and smash that subscribe button. I can't do this without the generous support of all of you. Thanks again. A big shout out to my patrons past and present. There will be a B-side resuming next week. Thanks again for all your support and enjoy this audio version of the video. Welcome everybody to today's episode of Democratic Socialism 101. In today's video, I'm going to spill all the tea. Not the coffee. Never spill the coffee. I'm going to spill the dirty little secret of the capitalist mode of production, and it's going to go a long way to explaining a lot of things. Things like, why do you hate your job? Why do you make so little money when your boss makes so much? Why it is that we live in a society wherein the top 1% owns more wealth than the bottom 90%. This dirty little secret also goes a long way into explaining why it is that socialists don't believe that we can produce a kinder, gentler form of capitalism. Rather, we have to abolish capitalism altogether. And these days, there are more and more people who are coming to that very conclusion. But very few of those people know exactly why. They know capitalism sucks. They have an intense feeling that it's making their lives miserable. But why exactly is it that capitalism sucks? So while more and more people are happy to finger capitalism as the culprit of their miseries, very few people can tell you exactly what it is about capitalism that makes it so awful. Well, in today's video, I'm going to fix all of that. I'm going to break down the dirty little secret of capitalism, which is the exploitation of the working class. Now, perhaps you call yourself a socialist or a leftist or a progressive, and you generally understand that there's something fishy about capitalism, but you can't quite explain exactly what the exploitation of the working class means, much less things like surplus value, stolen labor time, and constant versus variable capital. Well, have no fear, because I'm going to explain the dirty little secret of capitalism in a way that almost anybody can understand, so that by the end of this video, you too will be able to spill all the tea. Now, the best way for me to explain to you why democratic socialists are anti-capitalist is to start by explaining capitalism itself. Now, we know a great deal about capitalism, in large part thanks to Karl Marx. Not only was he the author of the Communist Manifesto and the originator of Marxism and socialism and all the rest of it, yada, 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 you know that story. But more importantly for our purposes today, he wrote a lot. I'm talking a lot of books. Karl Marx wrote so many books that he developed a case of boils on his ass later in life. Yeah, ass boils. So next time you think you've dedicated yourself to the movement and sacrificed a lot, just remember ass boils. Anyway, Marx wrote a lot. Today we're going to talk about his Capital series. This series has three books. Capital Volume 1, Capital Volume 2, and lastly, Capital Volume 3. But don't be intimidated. We're going to talk about the first, I don't know, three to four hundred some odd pages of Capital Volume 1, but I'm going to break it down in a way that doesn't confuse the shit out of you. So as we discussed in the first video of Democratic Socialism 101, the five things you need to know about democratic socialism, we are stridently anti-capitalist. 
We understand capitalism as a system that has fundamentally two classes. One class that owns the means of production and another class that owns nothing but its ability to sell its own labor power. And I know what you're thinking. This day and age, Adam, capitalism has become incredibly complex. Surely you can't be suggesting there are only two classes in the world today. In a sociological sense, it's valuable to break down the classes and how they fall in society. There's the professional managerial class, there's the blue collar class, there's the quote middle class, there's the lower class, there's the underclass, there's the ruling class, there's the 1%. How do we make sense of all of this? For today's video, we're gonna keep it very simple. I'm gonna follow Michael Zweig's definition, following Karl Marx, of course. Zweig breaks down class into two categories. That is, one very small group of people in society that give orders, and a much larger group of people that take orders. So despite all the complexity of today's class makeup, you can see that Zweig's definition maps on pretty well to Marxist definition, at least in terms of our conversation today. You've got one group of people who control and own the means of production, and another group of people who take orders and produce the goods and services in society. And that group of people we call the working class, because they own nothing but the ability to labor. That is, they have to sell their labor power for a wage in order to get the things they need to survive. Now, Marx starts off Capital Volume 1 talking about the commodity. Well, you think you probably know what a commodity is, right? It's any good or services that we sell on the market. But the commodity has a very specific historical origin story. And Marx understood that the commodity form took on a very specific shape under capitalism. The commodity in capitalism has a use value and an exchange value. While capitalism only respects the exchange value of a commodity, the commodity is important and valuable and useful to humanity because of its use value. So take a house, for example. A house is a basic necessity for human existence. We need it in order to shelter ourselves from the environment, in order to raise the next generation of people. But capitalism as an economic and political system doesn't really care a whole lot about that. Capitalism only values the exchange value of that house on the market. So use value, exchange value, pretty easy concept to understand. Well, why does this matter for today's conversation? Well, that's because you have to understand this dual-sided nature of the commodity in order to understand how labor produces profit in capitalism. See, labor power has a magical quality to it that allows it to produce more value in the production process than it is required to buy it. Well, how can this be? Well, this is the essence of exploitation because the use value of labor power at the point of production is its ability to produce more value for the capitalist. Its exchange value is the wage. So while workers think they're going into the office every day to earn a wage or a salary, capitalists know that the workers go into the office every day to earn them surplus value. Or at least that's the hope. That's where profits come from. So now let's zoom out a little bit to put all of this into context so far. What is capitalism? Well, capitalism is just capital with ism added onto the end of it. So the real question is, what is capital? Well, Marx understood capital to be something called value in motion. Capital is not a thing. It's not a commodity. It's not a good. It's not a service. It's not money. It's not gold. Capital is a process. It's a process of the increasing expansion of value across the entire economic and political system. 
This quality of capital in motion explains why the economic system must always expand or else it dies. When economy goes into a recession, that means it experienced a period of zero or negative growth. This throws everything into disarray. Unemployment goes up. Businesses go underwater. Banks close their doors without state intervention. So the takeaway here is that capital can never stand still. It must always be expanding. Now, how does capital expand? Well, now we have to talk a little bit about the production process. Capitalists must purchase capital in order to produce capital. And much like the commodity form in Marx, capital comes in two forms. On the one hand, there is constant capital. This can best be understood as the machines, the buildings, the basic components that go into the production process. In the classic Charlie Chaplin factory example, let's say that the factory building itself would be constant capital. The machine that produces the little widget would be constant capital. The conveyor belt would be constant capital. These are commodities that must be purchased by the capitalist in order to initiate the production process. The value of those commodities is used up little by little over the course of the production process over the long haul. Eventually, the machines are going to wear out. They're going to need to be replaced. Eventually, the building is going to get a leaky roof. It's going to need to be mended, and so on. But there's another form of capital that is much more important than constant capital, because it is the form of capital that expands, that grows, that produces what we call surplus value. And that is variable capital. Variable capital goes by this name because it is indeed variable. The capitalists can alter the production process and the conditions of labor in order to increase or decrease the quantity or the value of that particular form of capital. And the most important aspect of variable capital is labor power. When capitalists bring on variable capital, they hire workers. Workers come into the production process, like we talked about in the beginning, owning nothing but their ability to labor. And it is labor power and labor power alone that can produce surplus value in capitalism. So we should probably talk a little bit about that now. So chances are you yourself work for a wage. Let's close our eyes for a minute and imagine ourselves as a factory worker. You work in a factory and you make widgets. So at the beginning of your working day, you clock in and you start making widgets. Your salary is $10 an hour, but each hour you produce $80 in widgets. So do the math for a second. Over the course of an eight-hour shift, how much value are you producing for the capitalist after the capitalist pays you your wage? Under that arrangement, you produce the value of your entire shift in the first hour that you're clocked in. The next seven hours of your shift is called surplus labor time. During those seven hours, technically, you're not being paid for your labor at all. The value that you produce in the seven hours after that is appropriated by the capitalist class. So early in our chat, I referred to this process as variable capital. Now, it's variable because surplus value can be increased or decreased in two ways. The first way is called absolute surplus value. It's absolute because there are only but so many hours in the day. In essence, you just increase the length of a worker's shift. So if you produce $80 worth of widgets in one hour, but you're only paid $10 in that hour, if you tack on two more hours to that shift, you're producing $160 more in widgets, but you're only being paid $20 for the favor. Over the past century and more, workers have fought to limit the length of the working day. First, they want a 12-hour day, then a 10, now an 8. And even though most of us work more than one jobs, or we have an 8-hour gig and then a side hustle, or we're working 60 hours a week because we make salary, nevertheless, capitalists can only increase absolute surplus value by so much because there are 24 hours in a day, and we got to sleep and eat and have some form of recreation or else we'll all die out and there will be no more worker bees to produce value for the capitalist class. 
But capitalism has one very powerful trick up its sleeve. Relative surplus value is produced by speeding up the pace of work, by enhancing the production process with technology. Relative surplus value is concerned with enhancing the rate of exploitation of the working class. And it goes a long way to explaining why capitalism is on the one hand this incredibly innovative system, and on the other hand we have the mass immiseration of millions if not billions of people across the world. So workers can fight for better wages, and they should be paid better wages. Socialists have been on the forefront of these kind of fights over the past decades if not centuries. But no matter how much workers are paid, they are nevertheless exploited because under capitalism Exploitation is the name of the game. That's where profits are produced. Without profits, firms go underwater. Without constant, never-ending expansion, capital freezes up in the world. That's why exploitation is the dirty little secret of capitalism. And that's why democratic socialists are fundamentally anti-capitalist. Capitalism is only able to continue and flourish thanks to the stolen labor time of the working class. And as long as this domination at the point of production persists, there's no reason for us to expect that the centralization of wealth that we've seen over the past century will ever go away. The 1% owns the means of production. They control what we produce in society and how we produce it. Therefore, democratic socialists understand that we have to move to a democratic and sustainable economy. We have to have robust forms of public ownership, and we have to democratically determine what we want to produce and how we want to produce it. And then once we produce it, we need to be able to distribute the fruits of that production equitably across society. That's the essence of democratic socialism, and that's why we're so staunchly anti-capitalist. Thanks again for tuning in. That's all for today's episode of Democratic Socialism 101. As always, if you like this video, if you learned something today, be sure to click that like button, subscribe to the channel so you'll get notified every time we produce another episode. As always, I've produced a resource guide for your benefit. You can find it below in the video description. It's at deadpundits.com. It's going to give you some articles and videos to break down some of the more complex aspects of today's lesson. So don't miss that. Check out the resource guide. Don't forget to like and subscribe. We'll see you next week.